Who knows what Christmas is all about? Welcome to our next episode in the Rethinking Advent series. Christmas is getting closer and kids are getting excited and parents are getting a little stressed out. I was out shopping today and it was a zoo. And as I was driving home, my wife called and I just told her I was exhausted. Amid the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, we're taking some time this week to rethink Advent. And we've looked at the character and circumstances at the family, and we've looked at the timing of the events, and we've even picked apart the stable or the cave and turned it into the bottom level of a house. We're not exactly where we started in this Advent series, but I'd like to think we're maybe a little bit closer to understanding the truth of the story. And that's what we're attempting to do, just clarify things a little bit. And today we'll take a closer look at the Magi, the wise men that visited the Christ child. And I'm going to start just by reading through some information on the National Gallery of Art. And I know it's maybe an odd place to reference uh, here in a biblical setting, but let's remember that a lot of the art that has been created over the centuries have been done by Christian people with an aim to depict Christian events. And this is true of the nativity, and it's also true of the wise men, the magi. I'll put a link in the show notes to the article that I'm referencing. But according to the National Gallery of Art, it's the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, that speak of the magi, or the wise men, who followed the star from the east to Bethlehem in search of a newborn king. It says, There they found Mary and the baby Jesus and offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. As Gentiles who acknowledge Christ's divinity, the Magi claim is an essential role in the Epiphany, the manifestation of God to the world. And yet Matthew's brief description of the episode provides so few details about them that biblical scholars have had to speculate on their number, on their appearance, and even their origins. And while we've come to expect three kings or wise men to show up at this event, it's Matthew 2.11 that is the only place in the New Testament that lists the gifts given to Christ, but it does not state how many magi came to worship him. Some have suggested that the Orient tradition would favor at least 12, but I've heard estimates that go much higher than that. The article goes on to say, by the Middle Ages, most believed that three magi visited the Christ child and that they were kings who symbolized the three ages of man. And in keeping with Matthew's account that the magi journeyed from the east, writers first suggested that the kings were Persian. And we'll comment on that point a little later in the podcast. Back to the article. Later commentators proposed that they represented the three known continents, Europe, Asia, and Africa. From a wide assortment of names suggested for the Magi, those that eventually prevailed. Did you know that they had names? <laughs> I didn't know that. This was new to me this week. The three names that prevailed were Melchior, Casper, and Balthazar. Now, that's a bit of trivia that you could bring up on Christmas Day with that distant relative that you haven't talked to in years. But those names, like the lands of origin, were never consistently assigned to a particular king. The article concludes this way. The theological significance of the story of the Magi 
together with the imagined pageantry of the king's exotic dress and their luxurious gifts, ensured their prominence in art all over Europe. The most popular scene from the Gospel of Matthew was their arrival to worship the newborn Christ. Yet, artists frequently conflated the story with the account of Jesus' birth in the Gospel of Luke. So thanks to the National Gallery of Art for a little history on how we got to where we are. What I'd like to do in the remainder of this short episode is just to make some suggestions about the origin of these wise men. Maybe something that you haven't heard before. The article referenced that originally people thought they may have come from Persia. And going back into the biblical history, it's Persia that conquered Babylon. And that's actually fairly important because there's a character, a biblical prophet back in the Old Testament that came to prominence in Babylon and later Persia, and he's a well-known prophet. His name is Daniel. And the story begins in Daniel chapter 2, where the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, has a dream, and none of his wise men can interpret the dream. But then this character, the biblical prophet Daniel, a Jew who had been exiled to Babylon, makes his way forward and is given by God the ability to reveal the mysteries of the dream and make known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in his kingdom. It's Daniel who interprets the king's dream and he is promoted. And because of this, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 48, it says that the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and he made him ruler and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel was a magus, M-A-G-U-S. That's the word that's used to describe him in the Apocrypha. And he likely had a long reign in the East over this group of men, this group of wise men. Magus is singular, and the plural for magus is magi. So in the Old Testament, God gave a certain Daniel the ability to interpret a dream, which elevated him to leadership of the wise men. And what was it that Daniel would have shared with those wise men as their leader? Well, he would have shared the story of the God of Israel. For certain, Daniel's book that we read out of the Old Testament would have been included in the books that they studied for wisdom. And why is that important? Because in the prophetic book of Daniel, he discusses the timing of the king's coming. I'm skipping ahead just a bit to Daniel chapter 9, verses 25 and 26. We're not going to go into great detail in this because it gets rather convoluted once you dive down that rabbit hole. But let me just read these two verses and make a brief comment. Daniel 9, 25 says, So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem— Until Messiah, the prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Then after 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And again, people have spent hours upon hours pontificating as to exactly how to break down the time frame. But what I want to focus on today, it's that book that would have been passed down through generations because it tells of a coming king, about the arrival of this Messiah character, that you should be looking for the Messiah about 483 years 
after a decree is given to rebuild Jerusalem, that's pretty specific. There were different decrees given to rebuild Jerusalem, so there's a bit of debate, but they ranged from 457 B.C. to 444 B.C., and if you add 483 years to that, we land right around the time that Jesus would have arrived and had his ministry and been cut off from that ministry, like Daniel prophesied. So it's thought that the Magi understood these scriptures. And when they saw the star that corresponded with the timing in the book of Daniel, they took some time to gather their gifts and belongings, and they headed out on the long trek to Jerusalem. And some think it may have taken them up to two years to arrive. Why is that? Because when they get to Jerusalem, they don't know where the king is supposed to be born. And so they go to the capital city, and they are told there that it's in Bethlehem, just a short distance away. And it's then also that we hear of Herod giving an order to kill all the baby boys in Jerusalem, two years old and younger. And so while there's traditions that they would have been at the nativity scene at the birth, really what the text suggests is they probably arrived later. And as we close today, let's just consider what this means about those in Jerusalem. Jerusalem had all the scriptures, and they knew the scriptures well, and they also understood the timing of Daniel. They knew the birthplace of the Messiah, and we can also assume that they would have seen the star when it appeared. And if they did, why didn't they travel the one hour it would have taken to walk to Bethlehem? It's because at this point in history, at the time of the Nativity and the advent of Christ, Jerusalem is in a very dark place. It is spiritually dark when Jesus arrives. The intro music that I'm using for this Advent series is Jazzy Bells by D. Yankee. And at the end of each of our episodes this week, we're including some music that goes along with the topic of which we speak. And as we've said before, sometimes music clearly depicts what we know the scriptures to say. And sometimes it's our music that has added bits and pieces that may not be exactly true. So today, as we are celebrating the Christmas season, let's listen in as Maya Solovi sings We Three Kings.
Still proceed.